Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader, Executive Director, and I'm real happy that you're with us. So Friends Indeed is an interfaith organization, and we provide supportive services that seek to meet basic human needs so our homeless and at-risk neighbors can rebuild their lives. And everything we do is about compassion, connection, and dignity, and we do it here in the city of Pasadena, California. So this week is our monthly installment of what we call Stories from the Street. It's where I seek to go out and to hopefully uh, have someone tell me in their own words uh, what their story is, what their situation is, and to share it so that I can share it with you uh, directly. And we have uh, one in just a bit that I'll share uh, from a woman who uh, was very generous with her time and uh, sharing her personal, her personal uh, situation, uh, and I'll, I'll be honored to, to share that with you in just a little bit. But first, I want to relay a story about a gentleman that I met uh, last night at our Bad Weather Distribution. I was with uh, our Senior Director of Programs, uh, Eric Osugi, and uh, Lindsay Reed, uh, the director of the Bad Weather uh, Shelter. And there was a couple that came. And Eric was talking with them and getting to, to know them and, and do an intake, as we do, to hopefully be able to uh, put them uh, up in a, a motel uh, for the night or for the next few nights when it's going to be incredibly uh, cold in the evenings uh, here. And we learned and uh, they didn't want me to share their names, but the gentleman is 89 years old. That is correct, 89 years old. He was born in 1932 in Alhambra, which is a city here adjacent to Pasadena. Grew up in Alhambra, went to school. Remain, uh, tells us about... Uh, what it looked like uh, back then in the 40s and 50s before there were a lot of streets and uh, things that had been built up, uh, orange groves. That's why we have a, a street called Orange Grove here in Pasadena. And he uh, was a veteran of the Air Force. And he spent his life both uh, working in the fields, he told us, in a town called Blythe, picking uh, trees, fruits, vegetables. And then he worked uh, in a factory uh, most recently. And he has been on the streets for about, I think he said, eight to ten years. So since he was 80 years old. And the woman that he was with uh, was younger than him, but they had uh, met. They told us uh, they met at the racetrack, Santa Anita racetrack. Um, but he was a funny guy. He was happy to talk and to share, but he's carrying his stuff in these duffel bags and her stuff, staying on the streets. It said he had slept uh, near the church, on the church property for, for a while when that was allowed. And he would uh, find places uh, to stay. 
89 years old. And we talked to him for a while, and he, he was, they were funny uh, together. And he, he shared, uh, he just shared things about what it was like, what it was like growing up, uh, what the cities uh, look like, and how they've grown. And um, he was strong, strong, and uh, just broke our hearts uh, that someone of this age. Uh, had to be on the streets, and it, it was cold uh, last night. And so we were thankfully able to put both of them up in a uh, motel, and I hope that they will be uh, receptive to receiving services from us or working with our team to hopefully be able to get them into some permanent uh, housing situation um, either through the Project Room Key, which we hope uh, that will be their first uh, stop, uh, and then perhaps into veteran housing, which uh, there is, uh, avail- those are available here in, in Los Angeles. But in looking at him and listening to him, I couldn't help but think of how much we are failing someone like this man that at the age of almost 90 years old, he is carrying all of his belongings in a duffel bag and sleeping on a sidewalk or in a park. They don't have a car. They don't have much money. They have each other. And... What we don't have here in Pasadena is any transitional housing. You've heard me talk about this before, and I'm going to keep talking about it, because motels are a nice fix short term, but they're not the answer to what we need to do, and they are incredibly uh, expensive and not cost-effective. I've talked about tiny home villages, pallet shelters. Imagine if we had uh, some of those here in the city of Pasadena, 20, 25, 30, where we could offer uh, this man and and this couple uh, a place to stay temporarily while we help them to hopefully get into more permanent housing. Not into a motel, but into a place that is their own. They can lock the door. They can have their stuff, they can receive case management, hopefully be able to uh, receive meals, shower, uh, laundry, support. That's what we're looking to create, and we continue to find uh, real opposition to that here in our city. So I'm going to talk more about that uh, in another episode, but I just wanted to, to share Uh, both the story of this gentleman, 89 years old, and uh, his, his, his girlfriend, as well as to talk about why it is that they have to be on the street and they can't be offered a place in transition that's not a motel for two or three nights, and then they'll have to go back out onto the street. So we're going to take a short break, and when I come back, we're going to 
Meet Grace, who's been a uh, guest in our women's room, has connected uh, with our street outreach team, has connected uh, with our bad weather shelter team. And so I invite you to stay with us and hear Grace's story in her own words. So this episode is Stories from the Street. This is the Friends Indeed podcast. We'll be right back. We feel very grateful to partner with some of the motels uh, in our city that help us to put up our most vulnerable clients, especially on very cold nights. So I want to give a shout out to the Lincoln Motel, to the Highland, to the Larev, Super 8, the Posada, and La Casa. And to thank them for being com- good community members and uh, working with us to take care of those most in need. We are very grateful. So welcome back to the show. It's the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. So I'm really thrilled to be able to share this conversation I was able to have with Grace, who has, as I said, been uh, coming to our women's room, who has met our street outreach team, met our bad weather shelter team, and together uh, they're really uh, making a difference helping her uh, to put her into a motel and to then... uh, work with her towards uh, more permanent housing again. So I uh, went up to the women's room and was able to record this conversation. Hi, um, my name is Grace, and um, I'd like to share with you on how I became homeless. Back last year, at the end of August, I was living, renting a room uh, from a gentleman. And um, come to find out that uh, I was renting the room, but he was on HUD. So I was told that um, I couldn't be there because they came to do the inspection, um, the people from HUD, and they asked me, was I his child? And I said no, and they wanted to know who I was. So I told them who I was, that I was the renter that was renting the room. So at that point, they told me I had to leave because um, I was not on the lease and that you cannot subsidize a room to someone who is on HUD. So at that Point, I became homeless because I could not find an apartment, a room. Um, everything was very high. And then on top of that, between trying to live between a motel and, um, you know, trying to find housing, it became very stressful as well as draining me financially. So now I'm still homeless and um, I've gotten help from the people and from friends indeed. And we're in the process of looking for me housing, and um, I know it seemed kind of short, but that's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Up until a year ago, uh, how long were you living in this, in this place? Two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to go back a few years? This is your first time being uh, homeless? Yes, because before then I had a roommate and she got married. So once she became got married, I I knew I didn't need anything big because I work all the time. So when this opportunity, uh, I guess when it came up, I took it because it was a way for me to save money as well as mm-hmm. living in the room mm-hmm. because I wasn't paying very much. I was paying five hundred a month. Mm-hmm. So that's how it became. I mean. When I went from the apartment, I went to the room. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I've never been sleeping on the street. I always had a place to stay. Sure, sure. So I appreciate you, you sharing that. Um, are you willing to tell us a little bit about, you know, where you come from? And, you know, uh, you're a person. Uh, it's not 
hopefully defined. We don't like to define you by being unsheltered. You're a, you're a human being. Um, are you from Pasadena? I am. Mm-hmm. I'm from Pasadena. Are you willing to share a little bit about your upbringing or where you're where you're from and and your life? Am I am I able to ask how old you are? Sixty three. I'm sixty three. So sixty three years old, and you're uh, unsheltered at the moment. Um, so, anything from uh, earlier that you want to share? Um, I went to school in Pasadena. I had a very good upbringing. I had my mom and dad, and I am a college graduate. Um, and I just, um, life have always been very good for me because I've always worked. Uh, I've always had a place to stay. I was married, but, uh, I got a divorce, um, when my son and daughter was about maybe, my daughter was four and my son was six. So yes, been a single mother, raised my kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What kind of work, uh, what kind of work did you do? Uh, well, I've done all kinds of work. I've worked for NASA. Uh, I've done um, taking, well, let's go back first. Um, when I came out of college, I worked for the school district. Mm. And from the school district, I've done other jobs, law firms. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for those who are listening, and, uh, you know, I want people to know, we're not going to show your picture, but you're... You're a lovely uh, person, and I think if people saw you on the street, they would not think anything that you are uh, experiencing homelessness. Um, well, homelessness come in all yeah. different forms. Um, you can't judge a book by its cover. Yes. Um, because you look at someone does not necessarily mean that they're not homeless. Yes. And, and because you see someone who does look homeless... That too could be a trick because sometimes people present themselves to look that way just for, I guess I could say their own security. But, um, you, because you're on the street does not mean that you got to look a certain way. Sure. Uh, it's about you caring about yourself because, uh, if you stay out there for too long, I think your mental health, yes. uh, it affects it. Yes. So, um, yeah, homelessness come in all forms. Yeah. So how long have you, you been on the street for this past year? Yes. Well, August will be a year. August will be a year. Do you have a car? Yes. Is that where you normally sleep? Yes. So what what have you learned? What are some experiences? Uh, this is obviously not an easy thing uh, whatsoever, but uh, you know, what what have you experienced? Well, um I I could say that uh I guess I'm one of the fortunate ones because I'm always observing people. I don't let my guards down very easy. And when it comes to sleeping at night, I go to place, places where I feel protected, you know, and that I know that the polices are going to be passing constantly. And it's more of like a safety. And uh, I'm not going to give the name out where, but it's um, where this place is. The people are always outside uh, because they're helping other people. So therefore, it's a little bit more comfortable for me to be there and, you know, close my eyes because mm-hmm. I have been in situations where um, there were drug deals going down. Um, and, you know, you just have that inner sense knowing that, you know, something's not right there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I've... Uh, I've lived 63 years, and I think I've done pretty good for myself. Absolutely. Grace, how, 
how do you maintain hope? That's a big word in our in our uh, time right now. How, where do you where does that will come from? Where does that you know you have a smile on your face uh, here and and you know uh, I don't hear anger. I mean, maybe you no. you feel angry, but no. how do you maintain this 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 composure and this 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 sense of uh, that you'll be okay in the future? My job, uh, I am, I believe in God. He's my first and foremost every day praying. And I have um, always thought positive is better than negative, mm. you know. And I can't go around, you know, with a frown on my face. Some days are better than others, you know. But it's all about just keeping the hope. Um, always, I was pretty much a loner. Um, and then when I found that people are friends indeed, I, I've opened up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never talked to anyone about my problems. I just always kept them to myself. Mm. But it's, I don't know, something just, I just decided, wait a minute, you know, there are people around me and um, they're talking to me. So why should I keep my mouth closed when I know I need the help? Can I ask you about about your kids and where where, where are they at in life now? Yes. Uh, okay. So my son, um, he was gonna give me a place to stay, but their place is very small. So um, two weeks you could go and you can stay with them, but then the other two weeks you can't, you know, because a visit. I guess that's the way it is. I don't know. Um, and as far as friends, you find out who your friends are when you need to help. Mm-hmm. Um, the daughter, she's in another state. I'm not willing to move to another state, so yeah, yeah, that's where that comes in. Yeah. So, friends, indeed, you you met Angel, our outreach worker on the street, Michael. Yeah. Yes, I did, and um, they start. Well, uh, let me rewind it a little. Okay, so someone had told me about friends, indeed, and I was down at the United Methodist Church. Yes. And uh, I first came in contact with Lindsay yes. and James. And then um, one of the ladies that was there told me to go to the Salvation Army, mm-hmm. even though I didn't need the food. She said, you know, just go there because, you know, they can they can help you. You know, there are people there that you can talk to. So one day I let my pride, you know, just put it aside, and I decided I would do it. And um, I did. I went down there, and I met Angel and Michael. And uh, from there, it just kind of took off, you know. Um, and I had called uh, Friends Indeed and left a message on the voicemail. And that's actually, too, how I found out that that's where they would be mm-hmm. um, at the Salvation Army. Yeah. And, and now you've been coming to the women's room. I have, and I love it. I love it. They do so much for women, so much. Um, there's bathing. You can take a bath if you need to take a bath. They feed you. They clothe you. I mean, and they also give you the counseling and the help, and they help put you up for shelter if you, you need it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you have, you have income? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. And so the hope, do you have a... A plan that we're that we're working on. I know that that we were able to put you up for a little while and working okay. with Najwa. What what uh, what do you think might be in the works? Well, we're looking for housing uh, for me. Um, 
I'm saving my money so that I can, too, you know, help towards the move. And it's much easier now because I'm not having to worry about trying to pay for an expensive hotel room, Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I can put that money towards moving um, and finding shelter for me and finding a shelter where I can afford, where I can stay and not have to worry about moving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So lastly, Grace, you know, I would love for you to just just share any last thoughts. What do you think people should know or what would you want them to know about your experience, about, you know, how, how it is, um, you know, cause I think people listening here and who, who support friends indeed care and, you know, uh, and, and want to, want to help, but, you know what? What what can you share with people as someone who's had this experience? That is really a very small piece of your life. Uh, we're meeting you right now, but all these other years, um, you know what? What what can you what can you share to to close? You know, um, I worked all my life, uh, and I raised my kids as a single mother, and you know, it was hard then, but. It's even harder now because I do have a job that I can go to every day and that I get paid to do the job. But however, uh, when you don't have shelter over your head, uh, as I say, a roof, it's even harder because um, once you're displaced, it's even harder to come back up. Mm. You know, and once you have been out there for more than 30 to 60 days, it becomes harder. And a lot of times people feel like people are on the street because they want to be there. That's not true. I've met some people um, since I've been out there and the story is just nothing that you can imagine. Mm. And a lot of the landlords, when you go and, um, you know, they start asking you questions, uh, some of them, you know, are very understanding and some are not. Mm. And the hardest part is that they want you to pay um, what they call um, like a credit check. And each place you go, it's a different fee. Mm -hmm. And so that takes a lot of your money as well. And then a lot of people put the stigma on homeless people where they're no good. Um, They're going to tear up everything. And uh, you do encounter those type of people. But they've been out there for quite some time. And it's kind of like I always say that they've out walked out of society, you know, and the mental health is there and it needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get the funds, you know, to help these people, some people don't want help and some people do. And then when you need help as far as being sheltered, because it's very cold out there, if you don't have a car to sleep in, even when you're in a car, it's still bad, but at least it is a little bit of shelter. But when you're out there on the street, it's not safe. Um, You're kind of like sleeping with one eye open. Mm. You're tired every night. I mean, the daytime is fine. But then when night comes around, that's when all the demons pretty much come out. And you're kind of more or less trying to stay in survivor mode. So, I mean, whatever way that you can help a person, you know, don't close the door. Always be willing to listen. And uh, if you can, help, you know, because different organizations, especially Friends Indeed, you know, by giving, it helps them to give to other people. To help mm-hmm. them to get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Well, Grace, I, I really appreciate you taking time and 
being so honest and uh you know we'll not only be praying uh for you and with you but uh, you know we're hoping that uh, we'll be able to help you get back uh back on your feet and into a into a safe uh safe place to live really soon i thank you so much and i appreciate everything that friends indeed is doing for me i'm so so grateful Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So that's going to do it for this episode. Stories from the street, from the Friends Indeed podcast, where we learned today about an 89-year-old gentleman who uh, lives on our streets and from a 63-year-old woman named Grace who has been staying on our streets. Just two of the many hundreds of people who are out there that we're doing our best at Friends Indeed to help uh, as much as we can. So if you liked what you heard, please do uh, share this with family and friends. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You can learn more about Friends Indeed on our website, friendsindeedpas.org. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So we'll hope to see you next time. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. Thanks for being with us.